Sup, everybody. Welcome to our second episode of Isaac's Thoughts. Those are mine. I've been thinking a lot about quality of life and what we do to improve our quality of life. How much does it matter? What's the impact? A lot of this is around, again, back to what are we purchasing? But because we're in such a consumeristic society, it's trying to define some rules. You know, I'm trying to define some rules for myself and for my family on what we purchase and why we purchase these things. I don't want to just purchase things because the world tells me to purchase things. I don't just want to purchase things because there's some good marketing behind it that says, hey, you should purchase this item. I want to purchase things that are going to have an impact on my life in a, in a positive sense. So that's kind of step one. But it's a little bit beyond that. There's a lot of things that I could purchase that could have a positive impact on my life. It's not a narrow enough funnel. We have to slim that down even more. So then you start to go and look at, okay, what is the level of impact? that this purchase is going to have on my life. How much is it going to impact? Good example for me at the moment, I'm a coffee drinker. I like specialty coffee. Uh, my coffee bags that I purchase are 330 grams in weight. I go, uh, they're about $18. I go through three to four a month weight, like 80 bucks a month in coffee, I believe. At 18 bucks, 20, 40, 60. Yeah, I go through about just over four bags of coffee a month. That's one cup in the morning, one cup in the evening, afternoon. We've carved out a section in our budget for coffee. It's kind of crazy. It used to exist inside of grocery, but to me, I look at my return on investment. If I were to spend $80 a month on a stimulant that is going to improve my energy, help wake me up in the morning, and carry me through long afternoons, I view coffee as like a massive win. So my quality of life, my perceived quality of life, is a lot better with coffee. And so that $80 investment a month really is worth it to me. Now, if you do some back-of-the-napkin math, and I'm in New England, so I'm going to use Dunkin' Donuts as an example. You do a Dunkin' Donuts, it's $3. You do that twice a day, that's 6 bucks. You do that 365 days a year, you're looking at $2,190. The per month on that, dividing that by 12, is 182 So I'm saving about $102.05. And I feel like my quality of life is a lot better. It does take more time. And so I'm trying to reconcile, you know, what are the things that we purchase? How does it affect our quality of life? And can I narrow the funnel down more from just, you know, is this a positive impact on my life to is this helping me sustain? We talked a lot on the first episode about, well, we talked a little bit about it, about destiny, um, and dreams a little bit versus the, what I think the Bible talks about, which is call 
and desire of the heart. It's really interesting. Jesus calls us to things. It's a vocal action. And then he, he says, ask for the desire of your heart to me so that there's a conversation happening. And they're definitely at, at two separate flows, but the first one has to happen for the second one to really be impactful. I think so often we miss that and we go, man, I'm going to ask for the desires of my heart because that's what I see over and over and over. Reading the New Testament, boom, boom, boom. But the reality is that moment happens post the call. The call of the Lord is the initiation of the conversation. So back to quality of life. Where am I spending money that's improving my quality of life? At a hyper-practical level, Amy and I, we don't have a Netflix account that we pay for. We don't have Hulu or Disney Plus or any of these, you know, HBO. We don't have a TV. We don't have cable within our house, cable television. We have internet. We have computers. We have Wi-Fi. We watch some YouTube. I probably watch a little too much YouTube. TBH, if you know me. But we've made a lot of strategic decisions, especially in the area of reoccurring cost. When you think about your life as a business, you know, when I think of the businesses that I have, I'm always trying to reduce my reoccurring costs. What are my monthly costs? How can I trim them down? For most businesses, these are things like rent, and electricity, that could be food if you're a restaurant or if you're, um, you know, your payroll software. What are these monthly fixed costs? I know they're going to be the same every single month. Maybe they adjust as the number of employees that I have increase, but I'm trying to always, as much as possible, limit those. How do I limit the constant leech on my finances. And we make that same conscious choice when it comes to these subscriptions. For instance, I like music. So I've got a subscription to a music service. And I have a subscription to a music service. And that's basically it. I, we listen to a lot of music. It plays through our speakers in the house. I listen to it at work. And that's our one subscription that we really have that's a, you know, a common digital subscription that most most people are familiar with, whether you've got Spotify or Apple Music or YouTube Music, whatever you got. So I'm dividing up my budget and I'm dividing up our finances into what's quality of life and what isn't quality of life. What is really boosting our quality of life and what isn't boosting our quality of life. And being really tactful about it and trying to stop the bleed. One of the things that I define as quality of life is where am I wasting time? What money do I spend that wastes my time rather than improves my time? What money am I spending that doesn't give me a return on investment that moves me towards my call and the desires of my heart? Now, you might go, man, I, you know, my Netflix, I really need this to relax. This is the, 
the way that I chill. We've got this word in Afrikaans called onspan. This is how I just, you know, this is how I just relax. You know, I need to watch something. That's my, my chill space. I think we've, the problem that I think the world has kind of tricked us in, and zooming back for a second, I want to get to the place where we see every system that the world has in place, from finances to entertainment to housing to food to lifestyle, every single system, we have to view every system as corrupt. And the reason why I say this is they're run by humans and they're not perfect. Second of all, until there's an organization or a group that's, you know, 100% Christian and they can stay together and do the thing, you know, maybe I'm going to take everything with a little bit of a grain of salt. And you can flip that on its head and you can look at the, the church for the last, you know, let's say the last 2,000 years, you know, there's been so many movements that have happened and splits, and yet God is still moving at a higher plane than the systems that man has put in place. And the reason why I'm trying to illustrate this is so that you ask yourself the question, hey, is society, culture as a whole, trying to give me the best financial advice? Is society trying to give me the best things to relax? Is society trying to pitch to me the best foods that are going to be good for me? Is society trying to get me into a healthy position with the car that I need for work? When you look at, for instance, Netflix or Hulu or HBO or all these entertainment pieces, there, there is a measure of value that you can get out of them. And I think that's where the real struggle is, is there is a measure of value. I'm going to ignore the case of, you know, you want to go to Hollywood and you want to film some stuff and you're doing film study. I'm going to ignore the, you know, this is your career and you want to do this better. I'm ignoring that. If that's your camp, you know, listen, but understand there's another side to this if this is what you're pursuing. What do you get out of watching a film? You get some entertainment. Ultimately, though, you lose two hours of time. Now, if you're doing it with like your wife, like Amy and I, we rent a movie via a digital service maybe once or twice a month as a little date night. And that's after we've had you know, some deep conversation, a good meal together. And it's incorporated into our date night, into it's been packaged in a way that it provides some value. We get to spend time with one another. We talk about it afterwards. We enjoy it. And it's a way for us to relax together. And so I, we put some packaging around the thing that is helping us relax in a way that it's providing good lifetime benefit. And it's providing good, sustainable uh, time. I'm not just investing my money when I pay $4 to rent a movie. I'm investing two hours of my time. If you quantify that and you go, okay, what is my time? Is my time priceless? And I would like us to think of our time as priceless. 
if you think of your time as the salary that you're able to achieve or the, you know, the amount that someone's willing to pay you, I think you really are selling yourself short because when you have your time, you are the master of your time. And I really firmly believe that you can produce an incredible amount of value when you're the master of your own time. So I waste a bunch of time when I watch movies. And I waste a bunch of time when I watch Netflix. When I play games, when I, when I waste time. At the same time, same time a bunch, I go through probably about once a year uh, for about a month where I just need to relax. And I'm burnt out. I've either worked really hard. I've gone through, you know, I've, I've gone through a lot of, of work in that season, many hours. And I just, I need some time. I totally get the need to relax post a long stretch of work. But the thing that I see a lot is the exact opposite. And we're going to go to Proverbs. This is Proverbs 12. Um, this is verse 11 in Proverbs 12. I read this the other morning. It just like smacked me in the face. Those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense. And dude, man, I did not have this underlined in my Bible. I've got a lot of other stuff in Proverbs underlined. And this just whacked me in the face. I'm just like impounded by it. I'm like, dang, dude. Chasing fantasies. Work their land. Are you working your time when you relax? Great example. Pick up a book that's about the thing that you want to do or that helps you get better with the thing that you're doing. For me, I do a lot of design work. And so one of the weird ways that I relax at times is I go to a site called Dribble. You can go to many other sites. And I just look at what other people are designing, a little bit to get inspiration, but also a little bit to see, you know, how far have I progressed? How much better have I gotten? Another way that I relax is I spend time with friends rather than just hopping in front of the screen. You know, I, I connect with someone and I see the ROI on that and I see the discipleship of both myself and my friends and my community. So why do I live so differently? I live so differently with the hope that by bucking the trends of culture, what the world says that I'm supposed to do, and if I turn as best as I can exclusively to the Word and exclusively to God, I can try to follow a path that He set before me that is an effective use of my time, allows me to walk out what the call of the Lord is on my life, but also attaches to the dreams and desires of my heart. This past year, this year, 2020, you know, the year of Corona, there's been so many dreams of my heart that have come true. 
I mentioned it in the previous episode that I built a computer for the first time in a long time, and I finally have got like this rocking computer. It's got a lot of performance, super great. I built a Hackintosh. It like runs Mac OS. Apple don't sue me. It, it's awesome. And it was such a dream and desire of my heart. We, we got our Delaware C Corp, another huge dream and desire of my heart to be a, a Delaware C Corp owner. You know, and that's one of the things where, like, culture tells you this is the place to go, and you look at the rules, and you go, yeah, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Back to the world system thing. So, I truly think that the, the system that's at play is designed to make us lazy and ineffective. It's designed for us to waste our money to chase luxury goods, which I like luxury goods. I like a nice jacket. I like a nice pair of shoes. You know, I like a good outfit. Don't get me wrong. I like it. But to chase these things that in reality, they don't really matter. And what they do is they make us cash poor and they make us time poor. And then it prohibits us from growing and producing an inheritance for our children, and an inheritance for our children's children. We waste our entire life and have, you know, maybe a grand or two to give to our grandchildren, if that at most. Jesus really encourages us, he says, you know, instead of storing up an inheritance here, store up an inheritance in heaven where moth and rust cannot touch it and it can't be destroyed. And I see that play out so twofold. I see so many people who have potential. You know, potential, I I remember this classic example from my physics class in middle school or high school. I don't know. It's all a blur. Uh, You've got a ball at the top of a ramp, and it's not moving. The ball has potential. If a little bit of force isn't acted upon it, it will roll down that ramp and gain a tremendous amount of momentum. But it's at the top of the ramp, and it's not moving. And so it has potential energy. That energy just isn't being exhibited yet. I see so many people who have so much potential on their life. And when I say so many people, what I literally am meaning, I see humanity. I walk into our congregation on Sunday at C3 Boston, and I go, Man, you've got so much potential. Every single person that I'm shaking hands with, that I'm chatting with, that I'm connecting with, I'm like, man, if you would just see how much potential you have and if you would use your time towards your potential, if you would just run after it. So I think the world system is really constructed as this invisible hand that holds the ball in place. How can I distract the ball? How can I get them to look at other things? And ultimately, you know, I talked a little bit about earthly inheritance, but it hits on our heavenly inheritance. It distracts them from the call of the Lord on their life. I love this scripture uh, that says, you know, that many are called, few are chosen. 
think about that, and I go, you know, there, there's maybe two explanations for that. The, the first is, many are called. Okay, cool. Few are chosen. Called is an opportunity. You know, it's a mailer. It's that ad in your mail. Whereas chosen is like the, the predestination. You know, God has chosen this particular thing for this life. I think that's, that's one interpretation of it. And I think that interpretation is super valid. I think there's also another interpretation that I think is as valid, but is maybe a little bit secondary to the first, which is that many are called, but like few respond. You know? Um, and the way that I, I get there is I think of it, you know, so many people they have got ads on Craigslist for their apartment that they're renting. And they get a lot of applicants, but then they choose the applicant. And I see that so much with the Lord that he has a call. And it's not necessarily for a specific person. I think many people can do it, but he starts to go one by one. He, he starts to go down this list. He goes, hey, you know, I'm calling to you to this. You want to do it? Oh, you don't want to do it. Okay. I'm calling you to this. Do you want to do it? Oh, oh, you don't want to do it. Okay. Now, now I'm on my third person. I'm calling you to this. Do you want to do it? Oh, no, no, no. You don't want to do it. And then, I'm calling you to this. Oh, yeah. I want to do it. Okay, cool. I am choosing you. Run with it. And I want us to have that moment where we put aside the distractions and the things that we purchase. And we, we push forward on what is the call for my life. And I, I want to be chosen for it. I want to be accepted for it. I want God to go, yeah, you're, you're going to do it. You've got it. Let's do this together. Looping all the way back. How does this affect my quality of life? How does this affect the things that I'm purchasing? I just explained a lot of the glasses that Amy and I look through when we decide what we're going to purchase and what we're going to do. For instance, we had, you know, we're in Massachusetts. We've got a window AC unit. You know, West Coast, best coast because of central air conditioning. Can I get an amen? Okay, when everything was built 20 years ago and it's got central AC, oh, it's glorious. So we've got this window AC unit in my kitchen. It's in a window. It's right at the, the corner. So there's two walls coming together in a corner. Its power cord has to extend over from one wall to the other wall. On that other wall, in between kind of like this triangle between the two walls and the power cord is our pantry for our kitchen. <laughs> and so if you want the AC running, Man, you got to climb over the AC. You got to climb over that AC power cord all the time. And, oh, it's annoying. Plus, the, the power outlet that it's plugged into, it's kind of sucky. You kind of got to jiggle it to get it to start. You got to work it a little bit. So like Monday night, we go out to Home Depot. We're finally sick of this. We spend like 30 bucks on some nice new outlets, both to to fix the, the jiggle, but on the AC side, there's a little light switch for our, port, 
for our porch light. And we convert that light switch into a switch and outlet. So that the AC unit just goes direct to that right next to the AC. The cord doesn't cross this path anymore. And now our quality of life has been dramatically improved. What are those things in your life? Those are the things that you should focus on from a financial standpoint. It doesn't mean drive the nicest car. It doesn't mean have the nicest handbag. It doesn't mean the biggest house. It doesn't mean the largest wardrobe. Most of the time, it means the exact opposite of all of those things. You know, my quality of life is best when I have a small wardrobe, when I don't have the biggest house, when I don't have the nicest car. And you're balancing this between living within your means, being able to save and invest into your calling and into the desires of your heart. So this is kind of the framework that Amy and I use when we, we think through what are we going to spend money on? What are we going to do? I'm going to talk probably next time or, or sometime soon. You know, we're doing some crazy diet stuff because we're crazy. And just trying to, you know, finesse and tune that input into our life. And thinking about our life as we have all these different inputs that are coming into them. Are we going to be scientific about it? And are we going to fiddle with each one and try to tune it and get it right? Ultimately, so that we can produce the maximum amount of output towards our calling and the desires of our heart. You know, I, I try to, on spun, I try to relax in ways that help me get further along towards the things that really matter to me. And finishing that next season of The Office for the seventh time just doesn't matter to me. It doesn't impact me long term. I'm sure, yeah, it helps me connect with people. It's like, did you watch The Office? Yeah, I watched The Office. I'm a big Seinfeld guy. I love Seinfeld. I probably watched way too much Seinfeld when I was wasting time earlier on in my life. But nowadays, it's, it's the what is really impacting the quality of life. So we'll talk soon. Again, I want to talk about passions because that's another thing that, you know, you spend money on, on passions. It's kind of a subset of quality of life. It's a little bit of a Venn diagram. It's like crossover, but there's definitely some uniqueness on both sides. And we're also going to talk about kind of what we're doing with food and diet and health. Trying to escape the world system that's so, I feel like it's really constricting and trying to, to keep us little, trying to keep us ineffective when in reality we want to store up a, our treasures in heaven, but we also want to have an inheritance for our children and for our children's children. I, I don't want to leave this planet having accomplished nothing. I don't want to leave this planet having 
just accomplish things for God. I don't, I want to leave this planet, you know, having accomplished the call of the Lord for my life, of running the race, like Paul describes, and also setting up my children with the same traits that produced me, being intentional with those traits, being intentional with those things, so that they can do the same thing, so that they can end their life having run the race and accomplishing the call of the Lord on their life. That's a wrap. This one's a lot longer because I decided to uh, sit down in my chair and not do it super early in the morning and whisper. We'll catch you on the flip. <laughs>